Star Trek, The Nerdy Frontier. These are the discussions of the Good Time Society. Their continuing mission, to explore each episode, to seek out new topics and ridiculous observations, to boldly watch what they've already watched before. Listen, there's no time. I, you have to take me to the commander right away. I have so much that I have to tell you. I know there's horrible birds on my face. You're the commander. I'm the commander. That was last episode. Oh, dang it. Nailed it. Nailed it. Hurry, I, I, right. I'm in a time warp. I'm in the wrong episode. <laughs> I need help. See, there was a little bit of time where I went into 311 in mm-hmm. 310. Mm-hmm. So I, that, that's where that goes. Great. And so what I'll do is I'll take clips of both and just switch them, and they'll just flow naturally into the conversation. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate that. <laughs> I it's look a lot of extra work for you, but <laughs> worth it. Huge yeah. amount of work. Totally. That's right, you guys. We're here at another episode. It's Jake and Becca and Xander, and we're going to talk about Star Trek. Nailed it. You nailed it. Wow. <laughs> Love it. Look. I'm ready for this episode because you know why? It's the outrageous Akona all over again. It is. Super babely man here just to be saved from his tortured soul. Yeah, but instead of like seducing anybody, he's punching his way through his problems, right? Yeah. Yeah, but only if he's provoked. He's really nonviolent and sweet because he's a hot guy rebel. (laughs) If only we gave him more time aboard the Enterprise, he would definitely do some seduction. For sure. This isn't who he was meant to be. There's a biomechanical warrior who's been implanted and who has to separate the man (laughs) through face paint, through a child's carnival face paint. Just on one side of the face. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. What's this episode? (laughs) The Hunted. That's right. It's The Hunted. An escaped prisoner leads the Enterprise crew to discover an ugly secret of a seemingly idyllic planet. All right, let's start with the low jib shot coming into a lobby of a hotel (laughs) with a nice chandelier and everything's made of stone. Costumes. I'm thinking, remember when we were on that planet where the women were in charge and all the men had to wear sexy V-necks? But like more cover up. The opposite. Turtleneck and blazer. Yeah, that was the bluest turtleneck with a like very tight little blazer that James Cromwell was wearing. I love James Cromwell. Who's James Cromwell? What's James he doing Cromwell, here? James uh, Cromwell. Oh, you you know James Cromwell. He's played the president like a thousand times. In a great character films. actor. Yeah, very good character actor. If More you watch Succession, than Bill Paxton. Yeah. Holman. I I forget which one. <laughs> uh, Bill Paxton is the more character actor for sure. Uh, James Cromwell. You'll you if you watch Succession, he plays uh, Ewan Roy, and he also is the farmer in Babe. Babe. Mm-hmm. That'll do. Oh That'll well, do now I know him. <laughs> uh, he also recently came up on. I rarely go on Facebook anymore, but I stumbled on there, and he was a suggested friend. I don't know how. Um, wow. But among other you accepted. Reasons, I did not. I don't. <laughs> I'm not even sure it really was James Cromwell, but like it's Facebook and he's old enough. It's possible. <laughs> you oh, should yeah. Message no, me it like, was him for sure. Hey, Jim, was. what's up? Hey, I just saw Jim? your episode. <laughs> yeah, I just caught that episode from 35 years ago. Great job. <laughs> He'll get it. Yeah. But we see him with a little mustache, too. Um, and he's talking about how great his colony is and how they should be able to join the Federation. And so Riker and Picard are on a tour. 
They're saying everything looks great, but it turns out, uh-oh, there's a problem. A prisoner escaped from their penal colony moon, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I really wish that everyone on this planet had that same mustache. Because sometimes in Star huh. Trek, instead of having alien costumes, they just give everyone one defining feature. Mm-hmm. It could have been a mustache. Could have been a mustache or at least a forehead ridge or something. They're all just cops. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of a cop mustache. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> They're like, mall cops. Yeah, bushy and narrow. <laughs> yeah, but there's constant talk of like how stuffy it is, and it seems like everybody's following the rules. Yeah, there's a real administrative kind of kink in everything around here. Or lack of kink depends. On how <laughs> well, it depends if you're talking because Riker's like, yeah, I don't want to have my uh, yeah my short leave here. Riker is anti horny on me. <laughs> well, the Federation is pretty strict about who they let in. You need mm-hmm. to have a harmonious planet, and this is not that. Yeah, and that's got to be tough. We yeah. like kind of open the door to the discussion of the Prime Directive, which we'll we'll revisit at the end of the episode in some ways, right? Of like how much we're interfering with their society. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, we decide to interfere with their society because they ask for help. <laughs> <laughs> so right, but you got to ask. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Also, other arbitrary rules <laughs> that we're going to decide as we go. The planet, by the way, is Angosia 3, and the prisoner escaped from the maximum security prison on Lunar 5. I imagine 1 through 4 are a little chiller. Like, Lunar 1 is just tax crimes. Tax (laughs) crimes, yeah. 5 is maximum security. It goes up. (laughs) Yeah. Tax crimes. Yeah, Lunar 5 was basically just Australia, like Moon Australia. (laughs) Moon Australia. (laughs) And just like Down Under, everybody's super babely. Yeah. And it's dangerous. Yeah, and with great <laughs> names like Roga Dinar. Yeah, yeah. And they're really okay. great at just flipping people over their shoulder, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, excellent. Before we get to when he comes aboard the Enterprise and there's just a lot of poorly done fighting, uh, yep. you know, maybe it was choreographed to be that way. I'm not saying the choreography was bad. I'm just saying everyone was bad at fighting except for him. But before that, there's oh. <laughs> all this stuff in space about him being uh you know untraceable and they yeah. can't figure out where he is on the uh, on the ship and then he's in an escape pod evasion yeah so while the away team is down on the planet conducting these negotiations they're like we got it you got a prisoner you're not even part of the federation how bad could this be go ahead data and we get to see data in the center chair like commanding the enterprise and for some reason uses like the visual scanner to come up against this asteroid that blocks their vision <laughs> Yeah, he followed procedure, he says later, but it's like, you should be keeping an eye on this guy as he goes around an asteroid. Right. (laughs) But object permanence is a problem for androids. (laughs) We all know this. <laughs> uh, there are some really cool tactics that are employed here, though, and they go into it later with some techno babble. But basically, like he hides in the magnetic pole of this asteroid and then ejects the like essentially engine of this thing. And we find out later that he has some sort of modification that allows him to not have 
life signs detectable. So as far as we know from sensors, there's no survivors. Okay, Technobabble can only go so far before it's techno magic because oh this is techno magic for sure yeah sure you can maybe pause a heartbeat or something but you're not gonna make all of your blood cold like how are you not having any detectable life signs i think they said the that not that he stops his electrical signals but he shields them so he has a way of like not it's like a cloaking So I, I kind of bought it a little bit. If we sure. buy cloaking, we buy an individual cloaking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like they, what they're trying to do is they're trying to set up in a Star Trek way that he's so super soldiery that like mm. he can even evade most of our standard operating procedures. Right. Just reminds yeah. me of tragic Kevin. Yeah. Because we're the crew of the Enterprise, we are obviously going to eventually thwart him. But we need to show and demonstrate how badass he can be. And I thought they did a pretty good job of that. Like me too. every single time they think they have him, he's always always got another trick which is a, kind of a fun way of doing that uh, the, my issue yeah. with it was i guess it just it took 45 minutes to do it oh yeah. i i lived for it because okay. here's the thing mm-hmm. is that i play a weekly star trek adventures game and i was like oh, look at all these tactics i need to write down yeah. and implement <laughs> i will say like i would so i was kind of interested to see this all from his perspective which yeah. is not something we do in star trek in star trek the way this kind of the show works is that we we kind of it's serialized right so we have the same kind of storyline also from a group perspective for the most part sometimes we'll focus on an individual character much more than others but for the most part it's like and the ensemble show but we've mm-hmm. never like gone into the perspective of someone who's not from on board the enterprise and followed them around as they went through this which would be an interesting way of doing that because we get to see the tricks from his side of it which would be kind of fun almost yeah. a rambo type situation or something real yeah, rambo well, it turns into like another genre again of that they're exploring the sort of escape from the enterprise prison break style show yeah it's basically die hard yeah, yeah, Diehard's a good comparison. Too. He's even in a Jeffrey's tube. <laughs> <laughs> Roga is such an interesting. When we first meet him, um, or like meet him verbally, it's Dana Troy that, of course, can sense his turmoil and emotion. I don't know. I'm not on today. She's just walking by and like, it's like, oh, someone's having a breakdown. Yeah, how often that's got to happen 30 times a day every breakup on the ship every like uh lost my position got promoted got demoted she has to know you just see a little peeking head coming in like hey (laughs) hey could you tone down the emotion couldn't help but feel ya (laughs) you felt sad (laughs) i sense you are sad and uh, he, we, we feel for him, and he doesn't seem like a heartless killer, but he describes himself as a heartless killer and says he would kill Troy if it would get him out right then, and he doesn't feel good even admitting that. So we know he has a soul and a conscience, and we're provided with this question. Of course, we know now super soldier, but mm-hmm. uh, what, a, what a terrible quote-unquote gift to be given. I and uh, what a great parallel too to to look at it from this perspective of post traumatic stress disorder, especially from soldiers. You could probably draw a lot of parallels to what happened to like with the Vietnam War, mm-hmm. where there was this big push, go fight for your country and your people, and as soon as they came back, they were seen as these violent soldiers that did horrible things mm-hmm. and had a hard time integrating back into society. And that's still a thing. And the metaphor was very clearly spelled out until it was no longer a metaphor at the end of the episode. And they say, well, we sent them there and then they turn into heartless killers and we don't want them anymore. So we reject Mm -hmm. them. 
from our society. Yeah. It's like, oh, oh yeah, we do that. Because rehabilitation for soldiers is not what it should be. Yeah. Even today, right. people are still fighting in the Middle East. What they go to show, especially through Troy, is that there are options and that it's not something to give up on, that even a little bit of uh, progress is something. And data is the one that says mm-hmm. you were programmed. You should be able right. to be reprogrammed. Right. The, the, mm-hmm. Have you guys ever seen First Blood, the first Rambo movie? Mm-mm. So Rambo, oh. like as a franchise, became very like action movie and like insane. But like the first one is about a Vietnam vet who who is like treated poorly by local cops and goes oh. on a rampage, but not like a killing rampage so much as like trying to defend himself and escape uh-huh. from people who are persecuting him. And uh-huh. it's a huge kind of misunderstanding. He has a lot of trauma from Vietnam. And so it's sure. actually a very similar story I'm realizing in the way you just get recounted it, uh, Xander. Mm. But there there were there were stories like this a lot and like trying to show that the way we treat veterans is we you know, we disregard what the, the humanity in them sometimes. And that's mm-hmm. very, very important that we don't. Thirty years later, nothing's changed. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, in, in some way things have changed. We're we're much more aware of what trauma is now and i think it's a much bigger discussion that happens in veterans affairs and veterans communities i don't i think it wasn't acknowledged for a long time and it was you know be a tough man and live with w- what you saw on the on the front or tough whoever whoever's on the front mm-hmm. lines um mm-hmm. but that that has dialed back a lot more and they're talking much more openly because of the suicide numbers amongst other things and all the other post-traumatic stress that has been reported like that's that's the killer of most veterans it's a it's the mental toll that it can take mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah and that is coming coinciding with a broader welcoming in our zeitgeist to dealing with mental health and acknowledging exactly. mental health problems yeah and there was still a stigma uh while this was airing and you can see sort of this rhetoric that he spews back at troy of like oh well a girl hurt me when i was younger so now i'm a killer yeah. and he's sort of like like oh this is what you do right this is therapy and she's just sitting there taking all of these attacks until finally she's like okay now that we're through that what's going on mm-hmm. like yeah, you can yeah. hear the indoctrination in him, too, of just, like, him mm-hmm. finding the, the excuses or the reasons. Now that you've finished your tantrum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that we saw a strong Troy in this, uh, not only in dealing with, uh, like, this this patient, but standing up uh, to Picard, saying, like, no, there's something here that is worth investigating, and there's something else under the surface, to when we eventually get at the end uh, on the explanations. Troy is at the forefront of speaking up, which I think is a great character development thing for her. Well, as you mentioned last episode, she wasn't utilized enough in figuring out the mm-hmm. mystery of the the person we have on board, and now she is. And so, like, mm-hmm. it's it's great to have that insight, especially because she can not she can point out the mystery without solving it for us, right? We can be mm-hmm. along with it thanks to her well yeah and and were she not on board probably a counselor a standard uh staff to have on a federation Mm -hmm. starship but not a half betazoid one and how many times have they just decided you know got stamped for approval for entry into the federation for a planet that had such violent or such you know um flippant ways of dealing with their people and -hmm. sublimating them Subjugating. Sublimating is when you m- melt something. Yeah. <laughs> or you dissolve. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Also, that reminds me of dealing with Federation, something we didn't talk about at all last episode. There were these little, there was, um, they gave Picard a lot of autonomy to 
do what oh. he wanted to do on behalf of the Federation in that episode with the Romulans. Right. And we see a little bit of that with this as well. Um, you know, it's Picard's basically left up to his own devices on whether or not the, this whole planet can join the Federation. And he has the ultimate say. And the Federation just like, we trust you, Picard, whatever you say. I mean, Picard is to be trusted, but are all the Federation captains that that good at stuff? I don't know. <laughs> we hope. We hope. Uh, that's the thing is like, yeah, that's a that's an interesting question, Becca. Is like is I what mean they Perc- almost gave it to Riker, so <laughs> <laughs> Well it's like is Picard are Picard's choices like what the Federation captains are trained to do or is this an instinctual choice of, of him and we don't always get to compare those very often because any other time we see a captain on another ship it's mo- mostly for exposition of some sort right or they'll get blown yeah. up shortly thereafter yeah <laughs> or possessed by some alien species mm-hmm. yeah I think like the the show gives us the permission to believe that Picard can can call the shots in some way because of his command right yeah yeah we never really consult Starfleet too much I think it'd be a dis- distracting to do so anyway but like here's my issue with this one I felt and I said this last episode like I felt this episode was kind of, like d- despite all the cool action mm-hmm. was still kind of slow for me because there's so much yeah. talking about one person the whole time and like right. while we had a lot of talking about um the defector in the defector um it was more about the plot around it and like figuring out his mystery whereas we solved this guy's mystery somewhat quickly in fact he we're told very frequently that he's a super soldier and then uh, we get to play with him thwarting the Enterprise for a half hour, which, again, while fun, didn't change much. There wasn't a lot of development beyond it. Did you guys feel that way? I feel like this this served to prove the fallibility of the Enterprise, especially since we've been going along. Uh, everybody is perfect, and the Enterprise always works, and there's nobody that can take it down. Yeah. And then we get this just one person on the inside. One super soldier can do all of this uh, damage just to show that yes it is still fallible and, mm-hmm. and things can go wrong mm, yeah I like it because I thought that the soldier himself was an awesome actor and yeah. um, I, I, I didn't feel the same just emotional tie-in personally to to what was happening in the previous episode mm. I don't know it's like don't trust Romulans sure sure <laughs> Felt more nuanced of look at the way people treat their prison population. Yeah, that was really compelling. But I'm, you know, I didn't, I didn't write down that much about it because it wasn't that complex. It was right. What was complex was the performance. Yeah, right. Not the fight choreo though. <laughs> fight Definitely. choreo is Very not Star simple Trek fight choreo. <laughs> yeah. Look, when this guy runs near you, fall down or like you know, like tumble over him, like yeah. you're doing a somersault on him. It almost felt like <laughs> improvised wrestling. It's like, why don't you guys just yeah. tackle each other and we'll just see. Yeah, first take worked great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Move on. We, we got, got it. it. I'm pretty sure O'Brien was a much better hand-to-hand fighter than any yeah. of the security team. What's that about? <laughs> well, O'Brien, I'll tell has you the training. Yeah, we get an action true figure right up there. Right, an Irishman. Yeah, yeah. But also, we like. There's a lot of techno magic with this um, super soldier serum that he has because a lot of it is explained away. Like, there's no life signs. He's super strong. He's got quick reflexes. But what the higgity heck did he do to the transport beam? Was that, that because one, of that? He's resistant to lasers. He could fight yep. off the beam. I guess it'll explode, but not kill him. Even though Troy says it's gonna. Like what? Is there anything? <laughs> he also has infallible memory and right. is super he can cunning. Remember 
Yeah. 84 faces of the people he killed. <laughs> Much like the movie Lucy, he's using a higher percentage of his brain, which I think we're all capable of if we just tapped into it. If you haven't seen this movie, Scarlett Johansson mm-hmm. uh, does a bunch of drugs and uses 100% of her brain and turns into a supercomputer. Super it's so That awesome. does sound like a Dream Becca movie. Yeah. yeah. Does a bunch of drugs, becomes a supercomputer. Like, I'm working on Goal. it. Just kidding, Mom. Yeah. You want my advice? Double it. <laughs> like that, that line. line. I liked that line. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Can we talk about a really good line? So Picard phones down. Hey, Mr. V-neck, phones. uh farmer, uh, that won't do. He's, mm. <laughs> he tells Picard it's a matter of internal security, why they couldn't reprogram their super soldiers, and mm-hmm. you can't tell him anymore. And Picard gets off the phone and says, age-old cry of the oppressor. Yeah. And I thought it was a great line. Yes. It was a good line. There you go. Mm-hmm. You made these soldiers. You have to figure out how to reintegrate them. Yeah. We also saw a capability of the Enterprise that I had forgotten about and haven't seen before. It's the filling the room with a gas. Yeah. In this case, Very villain's lair. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Anethazine. I think every like, time they filled a room with gas, it's not worked, right? Like, hasn't that always failed? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is probably good because, like, you don't want the protagonist gassing people. Like, it always feels like an unfair thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's never we'll, good. Put, it's never endearing for you. Yeah, you right? Your, we'll fill the room with captain. gas, but every room also has a suit in it. Just just in case. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just in case. Oh, he put the suit on. Now I get on. it. I do, I do love that we gave Worf an opportunity to outthink him, too. Yeah. Um, mm. Worf was finally good at his job. <laughs> <laughs> finally. Like, that's the thing with writing um, a badass character is if you let him or her constantly do everything uh, perfectly – then you get no growth on anybody else and everybody kind of looks the fool, right? Like, uh, it's mm-hmm. nice to let someone else do a counter and also that makes your badass have an opportunity to overcome even that, as he did. He still overcame Worf, mm-hmm. Mostly, mm-hmm. mostly through just toppling a bunch of uh, crates onto him. Crates. Yeah. Boy, those crates, like, they look, they, they do a good job with the set design of them looking heavy, but as soon as they move them, you can tell how lightweight they yeah. are. <laughs> yeah. Look, uh, I just really need the security team to work out more. That's all I need. <laughs> I had the thought as they were like getting pummeled in the transporter room. I was like, they are just a bunch of nerds on a ship, aren't they? <laughs> Even the security are a bunch of nerds. I feel like there was like a utopia idea when they were casting of like, well, anybody could be security. Even yeah. you little guys. All you need is a phaser. <laughs> yeah. But that's not yeah. really how it works. Can I uh, call back to when Rona first comes aboard the ship and there is a phaser scene where... Yeah. Worf and Riker finally get him and turn their phaser up to exactly what we saw Riker turn his to, which was to green level evaporate. 10. To <laughs> evaporate that woman, the assassin, a couple episodes ago. But he did say stun maximum, maximum settings. settings yeah. He said that. I just want to say <laughs> that the visual setting was not needed. There are some crazy phaser shenanigans in this episode. He literally uses a phaser to power a transporter console, right? Yep. Isn't that how he gets out of the cargo bay? Sets one to oh, explode in the yeah. uh, turbo lift. What, what but Worf these things calmly do? walks over <laughs> and disables it. <laughs> I thought he was going to shut it and be like, everybody out. But he's like, well, yeah. I'll just. Oh, yeah, it's one of these. Oh, the battery hatch. The, the face he gave was like, well, of course, you just hit the switch. and Yeah. yeah. Go before the timer goes off. <laughs> right. Uh, but then, okay, so then they're going to transport him back to the prison people on the planet, the the wardens or whatever, and he 
uh, is able to escape because he can't be transported because he just wishes he won't be real yeah. hard. What, what was that? Sorry, Becca. Yeah. Like, I don't understand yeah. this one. Like, well, one of the rules that they magicked away. Yeah, one of the rules <laughs> that they did follow is you cannot transport through shields. So they're like, okay, he's in the uh, the brig, so we've got to put down the shields, and in that instant, we'll instantly transport him so that he will dematerialize. But then I don't know. Where, yeah, where did he like, go? They were just like, oh, he alpha? got away from it. Oh yeah, yeah memory like, alpha. I don't like even he, think they bother. Let's find you out. You just right? squeeze the glutes he, like, resisted so hard. Or... Yeah. <laughs> you squeeze your glutes so hard <laughs> that you can't be transported. His butt's too firm, Captain. <laughs> In anyway, that jumpsuit, then he does this very clever thing where he knows they can't read his bio signs on the ship, so he's just like opening and closing vent doors. So they'll mm-hmm. say, "Oh, yeah. over here, over here," sus. and That's data. <laughs> It's super sus. And Data mm-hmm. is onto it. He knows this trail is artificial and that they shouldn't um, necessarily fall that for the, the idea that he's going everywhere that they see light up on the screen. Uh, so it was an instance of Data taking previous knowledge and mm-hmm. knowledge about uh, his opponent and using mm-hmm. that to his advantage. Yeah, they've done a good job uh, kind of sprinkling in little things from previous episodes. They definitely referenced in the last episode uh, with Worf and that Romulan about their previous interaction with the Romulans, right? So they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're still peppering that in very nicely. Yeah. yeah. He also, Rona, got into engineering and mm-hmm. disabled multiple people mm-hmm. after saying he killed many people to escape prison. He's very capable of murder, but... Again, thank yep. God Jordy is safe yeah. because who do I got to fight? <laughs> I feel like that's a safe choice of the writers of like, well, we don't want this guy murdering the crew because then it's going to be an unforgivable thing to the audience and they're going to want blood. And so well, we still need to identify with this guy. There's a couple of things with that, too. One, we find out later that th- he's not aggressive unless provoked. So if oh, the engineering mm. team did not seem like they were going That's to harm point. him, they, he would have to be able to disable them. Mm-hmm. So like an intent for intent, I guess. That's a great, great point. Mm. And if you have a security team, double it. Double. That's my advice. <laughs> um, also, I for, I completely forgot regarding James Cromwell. Something I forgot to mention. He plays a very key role in Star Trek history because yes. he is Zephram Cochran. Zephram Cochran. Mm-hmm. Forgot about that. Who so that? And he's the first person who discovered, uh, I think, warp drive. Right. Uh, well, he had contact with oh, the Vulcans. First, he, that's what it is. He was the he was yeah, the first, first person contact. to get contacted by the Vulcans in human society in the past. And then use that to perpetuate space travel with humans. Mm-hmm. But uh, First Contact Day is actually coming up, on, or has passed, depending on when this comes out, on April 5th. <gasps> uh, this will be out. Oh, it was passed. It hope was passed. Hope you celebrate Wow, that was it. a great day, huh? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. I loved it. I met so many Happy Vulcans. Happy belated First Contact Day. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> great. And to you. <laughs> Memory Alpha, by the way, uh, Xander, doesn't answer the transporter thing. So I guess he just can uh, evade transport and just appear in other places. Like, uh, that was the most, like, well, what just happened It wasn't that he appeared somewhere else. I thought I got the impression that he resisted somehow and there was an explosion that made the security team and Troy back off. We see them, Kay. like, flinch. And he's still there, but they are sort of disabled. Oh, but and they, he, and he goes ran out. The out. Door. Oh, yeah. okay. That would make uh, 1% But I don't know. Sense. I'll take what <laughs> he would do to disrupt a transporter right. beam in that way yeah. that it would cause that reaction. Well, if we'd had a shot of his glutes, we would know. But I right, guess we're just right. going to have to figure it out. Yeah. I talked it up to the soldier, Sarah. <laughs> um, 
Michael Piller, producer on the show, wrote of this or remarked of this. The whole theme of the show was let's look at how society treats its returning veterans. I thought from a conceptual level that we handled it well and we came up with good science fiction to make it interesting. There's some mm-hmm. argument that the best soldier ever created bringing the Enterprise to its knees is a little hard to believe, but that might have been a weakness of the show. I enjoyed it and was not ashamed. <laughs> I mean, not, I like that they have to add whether or not they were ashamed of their episode. Well, because one of the things that I think we talked about this in the story. Story Bible episode of like the the Enterprise is top of its class like they are right. they are it, they usually shouldn't be thwarted because of some superior technology they are in a lot of ways of the the superior force out there which should be mm-hmm. they should be thwarted by and having challenges are our philosophical dilemmas and mysteries and you know science escapades and stuff they will be outclassed right. but like they don't want that to be the fallibility of the Enterprise mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. their fallibility turns out fight choreo <laughs> mm, yep, the shots too like they were so far away from some of that fight choreography. like yeah. like Riker getting flipped over yeah it's like, the what's secret going on of action there? is close ups and quick yeah. cuts yeah, yeah. <laughs> one day they'll get it right someone will but Maybe yeah and then, then we had we had the full dramatic standoff at the end too where uh, it's revealed that all of the super soldiers have come together to rebel against the society uh, and we have this dramatic moment Where did on that, planet. I felt that kind of came out of nowhere. Like they, ha- when did they plan that? Because it was just assumed that all of these super soldiers are as good as Rona, who got out, and so they could basically do anything. And so they were once just staying Rona- in there because they were sad boys that didn't know where to go. <laughs> yeah, like through all the rigmarole on the Enterprise, eventually he was able to go to uh, the. Oh, that's true. Ship. That's right. He did gain control of this transport ship, so he probably liberated. Okay. That's true. And he ha- he's, like holds the two pilots at gunpoint or whatever yeah. and then takes command. And then we assume he goes to get So his much friends. happens off screen. I guess I didn't quite yeah. realize that. I was just like, oh, I guess this is going to solve itself. But then we get to this now, this prime directive dilemma of like Picard being like, well, you've made this bed, now lie in it situation, right? Mm-hmm. But where does yeah. that phrase really come from? Who was asking this last week? Somebody asked me, why oh. would you lie in the maid bed? I think we were talking, was it, were we talking about it on this podcast or was that something else? I was in I that conversation. So. Oh, that was Whitney asking us when we were oh, playing Gameplay. Ah. <laughs> Gameplay on Saturday is one o'clock. Come join us. Hey. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. I, I like, he has a great line at the end of like, uh, we'll we'll reconsider your application in a in a while once your society has changed and it seems like it's about to change in a few minutes. Bye. Oh <laughs> snap! Bomb drop. Mic drop. Yeah. Mics and bombs. Bombs and mics. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess like that's what I'm saying is like they kind of just they figured it out in the end after all that action, which I th- I think though the choreography was a little sloppy, the action was at least interesting. I was I yeah. was in, I was engaged. I'd rather watch someone running around and fighting than talking about it any day. <laughs> That's true. And the interesting thing about this this target uh, was that not the hand-to-hand combat, it was the tactics that he would do. So he was rearranging things in engineering or he set off something to explode somewhere else. That was the cool stuff. Yeah. That you will take with you on your Star Trek adventures. They, yes, <laughs> totally. 100%. Watch out. <laughs> Well, speaking of more Star Trek adventures, uh, next week we'll be back with The High Ground, where Dr. Crusher is captured by terrorists who want to involve the Federation in their struggle for freedom. Hey, since I have your ear, 
I just want to mention to everyone, if you enjoy To Boldly Watch, please find us on Apple Podcasts and rate and review. Okay, thanks. Bye. Namely, well, five stars. That's a big... I don't know. Up to you. No, if you don't like the show, just keep it to yourself. Like, that's a secret <laughs> that you can hold. Um, yeah. If you do love the show, then share it with the world. But if you're not enjoying it, first off, why are you listening? And second, uh, don't tell anybody. They wouldn't have don't made it this far <laughs> if they weren't right, five-star right. people. Oh, nice. Ooh, that... We're going to review you five stars if you review us five <laughs> Yeah. Stars. Yeah, I give you five stars if you give us five stars. That's the mark. All there right. you go. Just mention in your review that you are a five-star person. Then we'll know. Amen. 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 Engage. Engage. Oh. <laughs>